Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There was a lot of risk going to Mexico. But I always thought that even if she was rejected at the Mexico border, she would just be on a plane back to France. And now I don't, uh, I don't know what's happening. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, 90 Day Fiance Edition. I'm back. I missed it. I'm here for it. I really think this is a strong season, so you would think that I wouldn't uh, be skipping out on so many episodes, but you know what? New year, new me. I just needed some time during the holiday season to take a little breath, take a little time to enjoy the view, if you will. And But we're back. We're refreshed. And I'm ready. Let's talk about some highlights from last week's episode, because I feel like a lot of important things happened. Let's talk about it. First of all, this episode, the current, the episode that I will be talking about, we do not have Brandon and what's her name? I always want to call her Lana and that's not her name. Julia. So we got to talk about what happened last week. Clearly. So many weird highlights. So many thoughts that I have that we need to get into. So one, why? <laughs> why is Betty, why is Betty acting like this? That scene where they go to dinner was so, ugh, so creepy, so weird, so why unnecessary? We start off with, with Betty planning this dinner in the first place. Why can Yara not get some rest? She has been in in America for like three days and it is like plans, 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 plans. And I don't understand like she, if, if you don't ruin it, Betty and Ron, she will be here for quite some time. So like, why do we need to do this like tour of mid-grade restaurants? I, it doesn't make sense. Like, what is the urgency? Did Betty know something that we didn't, which is that eventually all of the shit would be shut down. So we better seize the day now. Maybe Betty's an oracle, but for right now, she's a monster. So then we get into issue two was that she picked up immediately on the fact that Julia had a hickey or a bite mark, love mark, whatever. And Julia was making fairly 
a moderate amount of effort by wearing a collared, keeping her jacket on and like trying to hide her neck only for fucking Betty to go in like RoboCop and scan every inch of her epidermis and, and uh, uh, malfunction detected. <laughs> There's been a disturbance in the force detected somewhere between her head and her um, collarbone. Better address this immediately. What is wrong with her? Do you know how, like... Why does she have to say anything about that? And then she's like, well, I don't understand. How have you guys, have you guys been um, going into bedrooms that you shouldn't be? Like, I thought we made this very clear. And it's like, girl, yuck. Why are you so interested? And notice how she never blames Brandon, it's always like Julia, that whore who refuses to wear condoms. Like everything that happens, she blames on Julia. God forbid her poor sweet Brandon with the 17 gigantic bottles of protein powder that probably weigh more than him. Why is she always, she hates Julia. She's so jealous of her. She's so jealous of her. Betty wants to fuck her son, you guys. And like, I know that that is a hard pill to swallow and that's a hard truth to accept. But the moment, you know, we have to say these. We have to say the route, the things that we don't want to say in order to reach a higher truth, which is that Betty wants to fuck her son. I mean, that's the honest truth of it. And she's so jealous of Julia. It is very strange. So then Pop Pop, who is there, grandfather to Brandon, who is equal, you know, finally somebody's horny for Julia. <laughs> We're getting somebody on Team Julia over here with Pop-Pop. So Pop-Pop wants to know, have you guys set a date? And they're like, yeah, we think it's going to be May 9th. You know, Brandon reached out to me on the 9th and he said, I think you're going to be a future wife. So like the number nine means something to us. And Betty's like, again, here we go with the antennas. Like, how can I ruin this for Julia? How can I use this as a means to chastise Julia for doing something and also take the fun away from both of them at the same time? And she found it. Because as soon as she heard that it was going to be on Mother's Day weekend, here go hell fucking come, she can't handle it. Like, I don't know what you guys do in Ukraine, but like, Mother's Day is really important in America. And you really might want to think about setting your wedding date on Mother's Day weekend. The most holy weekend ever to brace American, the American shores. God forbid. It's not even Mother's Day. Like, May 9th is not the official date of Mother's Day in America. We all know this, right? Like, it's very flexible. The idea that, like, she would somehow be ruining Mother's Day for years to come when it's probably going to fall on the same day maybe every five years or so. Like, get over it, Betty. Do you really need... Brandon to acknowledge you that like how it's weird Nene Leakes it's getting weird it's getting weird she needs and and I hate to like I don't want to just let's spread the love here and say that Ron is equally as weird he was equally like you guys need to think you know how this might affect you in the future maybe you really should get married on the second like he was going hard in the paint too it's just 
he lets Betty speak. But then he says shit that is equally weird. He just doesn't say it as frequently. So, ugh, I don't like them. These are detestable people. <laughs> I don't like them, so let's move on. Um, What was the next highlight for me is the very emotional scene between Yara and Jovi, in which they're talking about having kids. It's the night before he leaves for his work trip, his month long work trip. And she gets very emotional. And it's a story that is like, kind of confusing, but I'm going to be on team Yara in perpetuity. But in this situation, especially she, they very clearly like don't communicate with the deep stuff with each other. That is, I think the most telling part of the scene is where they're talking about potentially having kids and Yara is like, you know, your job is such that you're gone every other month for an entire month. I don't know how I'm going to feel about having to raise kids on my own for a month long at a time. And Jovi's making the point of, you know, like this was basically how I was raised. My dad was going off, you know, off on the boats and how nice of it, how nice would it be for me to have like a whole month with my kids where I don't have to do anything. And, Okay, fine. Um, you know, kids have to adjust to all sorts of parenting and, and their careers and whatever. But it gets deeper when she kind of reveals even more of the reason why she's hesitant to have kids is because he basically abandoned her. So we knew that she had a miscarriage. and But we didn't know the details. And so apparently she miscarried while they were together traveling in Europe. I believe they were in Albania. And then... Something happened. There was a complication that happened after the abortion. She had to get an operation. But what happened was, like, he had to go off to work. She had somehow lost her passport. So she was kind of stuck in Albania having to get this operation done while he went off to work. Now, it does come off as incredibly cruel of him to just leave her in a country that's not even her home country to basically have to, like, deal with the trauma of a miscarriage on her own. 100%. Jovi says later that, like, he didn't know, like, he knew she was miscarrying, but he didn't know that it was, like things were getting worse in her body and that she would need the operation. So he just thought that like he would leave. Then it makes a lot more, it makes him sound a lot less cruel when he says, I didn't know she was going to have the operation before I left. If I had known that, like I would have stayed. Cause that was like, whew, huge red flag. And like, Yara girl, that is very difficult, but also like, let's put some responsibility on ourselves. If he hurt you that bad and you felt that abandoned in that sort of situation, maybe you need to reassess if this is the right situation for you, because that is a huge thing to try and get over. I couldn't do it. Even if what he's saying is true and he really didn't know, like, I think it would be very difficult for me to, get over those feelings of abandonment. But also I have a feeling that if Jovi had been more caring toward her in that moment and in the aftermath of that, like maybe she wouldn't feel so strongly about it because he's saying like, I had no idea she felt that way. And it's like, well, you know, maybe that's on you, Jovi. Maybe that's on you. So what is the next highlight? Mike weird. 
Mike just, <laughs> Mike and Natalie, Mike does not like Natalie. He is white knuckling it through this whole relationship. I don't know what he's doing unless it's just that he wants to be on TV and is like, maybe, see, I think of Mike as a diabolical person. You guys know that. I think that he's underhanded. I think that he's a snake in the grass. I don't like him. It's not to say that I think Natalie is a saint. She's a weirdo. She is a whole ass weirdo for sure. But I think Mike is very underhanded and I think that he doesn't want to be in this relationship. And yet he continues to want to make it seem like he's a nice guy. And that's something that I can't reconcile. So anyway, he tries to rectify the situation and give Natalie a little bit of fun by randomly lighting a bunch of fireworks during the daytime. <laughs> Natalie's upset because he's lighting lighting it by this like koi pond or some sort of pond where there are fish and she thinks, you know, with the noise it would scare them and it frighten them and kill them and he's like, no, it'll be fine. She's upset about the fish. I'm upset about the fact that he keeps wearing these half zip, zip up things. I can't, I can't do it with his jackets, man. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. Um... They're just very different people. They are extremely different people. Mike is a strange guy. He believes in aliens as some sort of higher being. And he lights fireworks in the middle of the day, which has no effect. It it doesn't even look cool. You just look like a weirdo, a grown-ass man lighting fireworks in the middle of the day. And he's talking about how great it is because he lives on all this land. And it's like, no, that doesn't make it any better. Anyway, then we find out randomly that, like, he drives hours. His commute to work is, like, three hours each way. Fuck that. Anyway, what's next? Um, Ooh, Stephanie, queen of my heart. Countess of 90 Day, Season 8, Stephanie. What an icon, you guys. (laughs) I fucking love her. So, the highlight that we find out about Natalie is when she's talking to her cousins, she reveals that she is not only um, financially (sighs) taking care of Ryan and his family, which is something that we all assumed, right? (laughs) We all assume that he was take that she was taking care of the family. Um, not only that, but she has found a scheme that doesn't really seem legal. It doesn't seem legal at all. But basically, what she does, she's given her boyfriend like a pretend job. So she has a friend who works at a luxury resort down in Belize, where Ryan lives. So. What she did is because business is slow, because we're in full swing into COVID times, right? He's got this resort. She talked her friend into hiring, quote unquote, Ryan. But really what's happening is that he's working and she's paying his white wages. So she's paying her friend to pay Ryan. It is so fucked up and it makes the scenes with her this week that much more sweet. Stephanie, I adore you. I adore her. <laughs> let's start with this episode. Um, let's go into ooh, 
let's start with Rebecca and Zied. They're such a flop. They're the flop couple of the season. I'm calling it right now. The stakes are so low with them. And I just like, I'm not invested. I don't care. I think Rebecca is an adorable little cutie pie. And Zied, you know, again, looks like a Mercer Mayer character. So there's, you know, an element of quaintness with that for me. Um, other than that, I find them completely boring. Completely. So it's time for Rebecca to pick up Zied. Oh, last week she bought, she got this like a whole like industrial apartment for him. And again, when I'm saying the stakes are low, all episode last week, the stake was she got this apartment because she didn't, she decided it was probably wasn't a good idea to move in with her sister or excuse me, her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend. So she gets this apartment that she can't afford. Um, but the twist, if you even want to call it that, is that she lived in the apartment building with her, excuse me, with her last husband. And she's just like terrified that Zied is going to find out. She's like in a constant state of terror when it comes to Zied. I just feel like Zied is like, he's like a dinner roll. He's like a Hawaiian, not, I won't, he's not so good as a Hawaiian sweet roll, but he's like a yeast roll. And I just feel like, I don't understand why she's so scared of him. I don't get it. So what's happening? So Tiffany, her daughter and Tiffany's boyfriend, Micah come over to the apartment and they're like, Oh, okay. We're going to go to the airport with you. So Rebecca thinks that they're driving separately and will be leaving separately. But who on the earth does that? So she's very shocked to find out that Tiffany and Micah are actually planning on riding with her, which is a very normal thing. And now she's like another, we're now in another fit of terror because she is nervous that, you know, first like she's like, oh, you know, me and Zayed, Zayed won our alone time and we were expecting to have that alone time. Like, what were you going to do? Jack him off in the car on the way from the air, back from the airport? Like, wh- it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Now, granted, at first I was like, Rebecca, you need to calm down. But then... We hear, like, Tiffany and, and uh, Micah's reasoning for going in the car, and it's creepy. It's weird. So, Tiffany, I get it. You're the protective daughter. You want to make sure that lightning doesn't strike twice, and she hasn't found herself with another man from a different country who doesn't give a fuck about her and just wants to, like, be in America, right? Okay, I get it. However, Tiffany and Mike are, like, hell-bent we're going to be there. We're going to check him out. We're investigating him. We're going to make sure everything's okay with Zied. And Micah is really overly invested in this situation, right? Like, you're not related to Rebecca. You're not Tiffany's husband. You're not Tiff- You're not Rebecca's son. Why he's... Like, I defended him the first time we saw him and saying that... I didn't understand why I I was on his side when Zied was like uncomfortable with living with them because he didn't want Rebecca to be around in a towel around man that wasn't like a family member or whatever. Fine. But now Mike is weird. Mike is a 23, 24 year old guy. And he is like on some sort of tactical mission. He's like, you know, I'm trying to feel him out, but you know, and Hey, I can be cool until he pisses me off. And it's like, why would he, why would Zia be pissing you off? 
<laughs> what what have you created in your mind that this is going to go left and that somehow Zed is going to disrespect you and that you're going to have to put Zed in his place? Like, this is very weird, macho <laughs> shit. Like, you can calm down, sir. You can chill out. Um, so on the way to the airport, Tiffany is like, how old is Zed? And Rebecca genuinely doesn't know. So she, it takes her a second. So she's like, um, it's funny you should ask that because he did have a birthday the other day and I'm trying to figure out, did he turn 27 or 28? Um, she's like, he's, he's born in 93. So I guess he's 27. <laughs> it's like, well, it doesn't really seem like something you should know, ma'am. Anyway. So, again, like I said, Rebecca's nervous because she's so worried about what he'll think. And this is a situation that you've caused, Rebecca. Much like every situation in which she feels like Zed is going to potentially be upset. So she doesn't tell him until the very last second. And then usually he is upset. And it's, it's like, you know, how scared? We got to figure out what's happening here. So what happens after that? So... We also need to take into consideration that Rebecca has been very liberal with the blur tool in the past, but at this point, Z had seen her face to face. So he knows that she doesn't really look like, you know, that she doesn't look like a, you know, a glamour shot. <laughs> I think he's understanding of that. So I don't know what she's so nervous about. This is what is very confusing to me. So he shows up. Zed is... <laughs> Zed has got to find a top that fits him. A top that doesn't make him look like a loaf of bread if he were to lay down on his back. Like, just size up, baby. Just size up. It's fine. You're going to look so much better when it doesn't look like your stomach is trying to burst through your top like the alien from Aliens. Like, it's okay. You can be a curvy queen and you can look great doing it. That's just my tip for me, for me to use, Zed. Size up. Size up. The outfit with the, like, 80s <laughs> serial killer glasses and, and the, like, Mr. Rogers, if Mr. Rogers was dressed by Tan France from Queer Eye, cardigan. It was a lot. It was a lot to take in. I'll just say that. Um, he's very chill, though. He gets to the airport and he's like, it's not like your typical, you know, this isn't like a Tanya and Sinjin where Tanya goes to the airport and puts flower petals on the floor for the help for the, um, for the, uh, the staff to, to sweep up. And it, you know, there's, you know, half a bottle of Andre because she shook it up when she saw Sinjin. It's a much more subdued in welcome to America situation um he's chill he's obviously caught off guard by the fact that mike and tiffany are there but rebecca's like again still terrified shaking and quaking like a yorkie left out in the rain and she's like you know culturally he's not open like they don't kiss and cuddle and and do all this pda stuff in tunisia so you know whatever <clears throat> he keeps saying you know oh it's so good it's so good and it's like yeah well basically all he can say is so good anyway mike and tiffany think Zed is weird and too quiet 
Okay, well, you got a lot of nerve calling people weird. And listen, as a, you know, as a baby, an Atlanta baby, I know that Zed wasn't trying to be shady, but this is a bit of like Georgia specific location jokes. So, you know, if you're not from Georgia, this won't be funny to you. But I did think it was very funny (laughs) that they're driving back from the airport and he's taking all the taking in all the sites and from Atlanta and taking all the videos from the car and here's a baseball stadium and uh, there's a carnival and blah, blah, blah. And then they get to the restaurant because they want to go eat. And Tiffany's like, Oh, this is your home. This is Canton. And he goes here. (laughs) Canton is, um, I mean, it's not, like, the worst place in the world, but it's very, like, if you want to live in the suburbs, move to Canton. It is the most suburban in every soul-sucking way. Like, strip malls, as far as the eye can see, every chain restaurant you could ever imagine. It just doesn't have a lot of personality. We'll put it that way. But shout-out to Canton. Shout-out to Canton. Um... Rebecca, again, sorry to keep mentioning this, but she keeps mentioning it, how she's still on edge because, you know, like, I just feel like Ziad should have been more prepared for being around my daughter all day. And, um, but he's playing it cool. Like, why does Rebecca feel so beholden to her child and her child's husband? If you want to go home, go home. If you don't want to go out to dinner, which Zied clearly didn't, but he was being polite by being like, okay, like, sure, let's go to whatever the, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings if we have to. (laughs) Um, Why didn't she just put her foot down? You're the mama. And you guys aren't sharing an apartment anymore. So if you want him, if you want to go home and make a sweaty sloppy love with Zied, then you should be able to say so. I don't understand why (laughs) Micah and Tiffany have so much power over Rebecca. It's, I don't get it. I don't get it. Micah's still playing daddy, mean daddy, but being like, Zied, what are your plans for work? And Zied's like, um, I haven't really thought about it because I can't work anyway until six months after I, after we get married, but like, you know, I kind of a jack of all trades. I kind of do it all. He's, you know, whatever. So Rebecca says he is certified with HVAC. He can do a bunch of, you know, construction stuff. So they're not really worried about it. And Tiffany's like, well, um, you know, my mom's ex didn't really like to work, so we're just a little bit concerned. And you could tell that Zied is getting more and more annoyed because he has issues with this ex. And he's like, I, they keep tr- comparing me to her ex and that's not fair. And it's not. I'll give you that, Zied. That's not a so good situation. Micah says there's going to be a problem if, any, if they have any concerns or if anything comes up. And he tells that to Zied as if Micah has any stakes in this game. Whatever. I, I'm done. <laughs> Let's move on to Tariq and Hazel. So it's now her second day in America. And Hazel's overwhelmed for two reasons. One, 
Tariq is a messy bitch and she feels like she has no place for any of her things. She looks into the bureau that's next to the bed and she's like, oh, why does Ari have, Ari being Tariq's um, daughter, have her clothes in your bedroom? And he then reveals to tell, he decides to tell her for the first time that Ari shares a bed with him. He always, she always has seven years that she's been alive. They've been sharing a bed. It's not going to change. And this is something Tariq says, direct quote, this is something that Hazel is going to have to get used to. Um, I don't like this much like, um, who is it? Robert and Annie, where we find out that Robert was sleeping with his son and Annie didn't know until she moved to America that they were going to all have to share a bed because (laughs) Robert didn't even have another bed for his son, Bryson. Um, I think this is weird. Like, we have to have a an across-the-board situation when it comes to children. And I don't have kids, so I really probably don't have a place to say this, but I'm just going to speak for myself. <laughs> I think I know <laughs> that men give women a lot more passes to be around their kids than the other way around. Because, you know, we have these views of men being these vicious people. And it's not to say that I'm calling Hazel, like, uh, violent or, like, we need to worry about her. But I think we just need to have even just more care for the child. Like, we know that Ari is, she has high-functioning autism. And I understand, you know, the things that go with that of wanting to have a routine and not rocking the boat and, and keeping things so, you know, she doesn't get overwhelmed and stuff. But I would just like, if I were Hazel, I would be like, I can't share a bed with your child. (laughs) And of course it doesn't mean because I'm a creep and I'm going to do something, but it's weird. It's awkward, right? I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. And I would want to know that before I moved into a situation that I was going to be sharing a bed with a kid and my dude. Hazel is obviously also very uncomfortable. She's like, first of all, (laughs) there's no way I'm going to be intimate with him (laughs) in front of her. And secondly, I just, I don't know. That's just, it's too familiar when they haven't even met each other. She hasn't even met Ari. I... I don't like that. And, like, what about Ari's mom? Does Ari's mom know that Hazel's going to be sharing a bed with Ari? You know, have we talked to her? Particularly because it's, on top of that, like, it's exacerbated by the fact that Tariq has the majority of custody, right? It's not like every other weekend Ari's going to be there and it's like, you know, there's only, like, three or four days out of the month. This is going to be like a pretty much every night thing. I I don't know. I just feel uncomfortable. And I I think even taking Hazel out of it, I think it would be better for Ari to learn to be independent so that this isn't something that like they're going to have to do for the rest of her life. You know, I I think there might be some growth that needs to happen there, but not my kid. So I'm not going to say anything more. (laughs) So, um, you know, she's also worried. Hazel's also worried about Ari and, and raising her. And 
them getting along and, and fitting into the situation. She's like, I know that Tariq and Ari are very close and I'm, I just don't know how I'm going to factor in or if I'm going to factor into that well. So then we meet Ari. Tariq goes to pick her up from her mom's house and Ari's there. She's got her, you know, uh, I don't know, some sort of, what do you call it? What do people play Animal Crossing on? Nintendo Switch? It looked like a Switch. <laughs> I'm so old. It looked like a Nintendo Switch. So she's got it. She's like playing on the thing and, and Hazel comes down the stairs and Tariq is like, oh, do you know who that is? And she says, Hazel. And then she hugs and Hazel picks her up and she like cuddles into her little neck nook and, and like it was just such a, guys, it was such a sweet moment of them like having this moment where Ari knew who she was immediately and just like took to her and they're just like embracing and ugh, ugh, I could have melted right there. It was very, very sweet, especially seeing Tariq and they all get in this, ugh, they all get in this group hug with each other and he's smiling and he's just so happy because he's been nervous this whole time about them getting along and how Ari's his whole world and He's so nervous about how this is going to work if they don't get along with one another. And it's just like the perfect little Hallmark moment. Uh. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. I can't. I got to move on because I'm not built for this shit. <laughs> so then what happens? So Tariq you know, th- has another set of concerns. He's in the second wave of concerns of being like, okay, they get along. I see it. I'm happy about this. But, you know, Ari is a special girl. 
she's got special needs and she has particular needs and I'm concerned about so like I under I know that Hazel knows as much as she can from having seen Ari on FaceTime but um I just am worried that she's not going to pick up on it that quickly. So later, Tariq is planning like a dinner party. Ari's off to bed. He's inviting some friends over. He gets some, you know, like Southern food, y'all. When he made... (laughs) When he made Hazel say cornbread. (laughs) And he was like, oh, this is some... This is cornbread. She's like, cornbread? Cornbread? (laughs) That killed me. That fucking killed me. So the friends come over, they're bearing gifts of, you know, gigantic magnum bottles of barefoot wine and 1800 and some, you know, chilies, premix, margarita uh, stuff. And they're having a good time. They're having a good time. One of Tariq's friends, Angela, gifts Hazel with a blue scarf. We all know that blue is her favorite color. And Hazel is so touched, which again, touched me because she's like nobody's ever none of my friends have ever given me a gift before because they've all we've never had enough money for that to be like a thing between us oh sweet lady she you could tell she was clear like very very touched and Angela was showing her like different ways you can style the scarf and it was a really sweet moment um then they do an interview they take Angela and I can't remember her his other friend outside and they're kind of interviewing and they're like, honestly, we're shocked that Tariq is engaged. We did not see this coming. One, The other friend, not Angela, was saying that she used to live with Tariq uh, in the same apartment building. And Hazel was like, oh, tell me a story. Do you have any crazy stories? She's like, oh, we you know we used to drink every day, party every day. <laughs> like, honestly, I can't even remember. <laughs> They're probably very good stories, but I was just as drunk as he was, and I have no idea. So then in the interview, the friend, that friend says, I lived right above him. Like, his bedroom was above mine. So, yeah, you can say that I'm pretty surprised that he is trying to tie himself down. (laughs) Really shocked that he's not wanting to still be single. Um, Then they ask about Hazel's son. Hazel gets a little bit, you know, emotional because she left him. And she says, you know, he lives with Harry, her son, lives with his dad and his stepmom for the most part. But she gets to see him once a week. But Tariq explains the situation of why Harry didn't come. Said they're planning on having Harry come in about a year. And they're reasoning for that is like first of all they have to go through the same visa process like the same one that I went through with with uh Hazel I'm gonna have to go through the same process with Harry the reason why we're waiting a year is because we want to figure out our stuff see if we're okay and we're stable um you know before we bring Harry into the situation and like I said Hazel gets emotional about missing her son and that was really all that we saw from them So let's move on to Mike and Natalie. (laughs) Natalie is still cleaning the house. Just scrub, scrub, deep cleaning that house. I can't imagine what that house must have looked like. That she has been spending (laughs) several days now sweeping 
and mopping, trying to figure out the washer dryer, and scrubbing the counters, and good lord, she thought she was going to get bored. Apparently, she's been playing Cinderella. And by the way, speaking of playing Cinderella, I forgot to mention this about Brandon and Julia. I was saying two weeks ago, or however, last time I recorded that, um, I was confused about the the uh, farm situation and how much work that Julia was going to have to do and the expectations. I'm totally on Team Julia, by the way, at this point. They're basically wanting her... I need to know... <laughs> I need the receipts. I need to know what conversation Julia and Brandon had prior to her moving to America. What it is that she thought was going to be the scope of her... Um, contributing to this household because and and thirdly I was under the impression that Brandon's parents worked at the farm full-time but apparently they have their own jobs Brandon has his own job and that this is like a home farm that they expect Yara to like completely acclimate to and be like a new farm hand on I don't think she knew how much work she was going to have to do, how much work they expected. And it is wild to me that they expect her to do this much work. This is weird, right? Like, yeah, clean after yourself. Do, you know, do nice things, maybe cook dinner. And there are things that she could do, but expecting her to like feed and do all this like heavy work when she has made it abundantly clear that this is not her dream and this at this point is not her family why is she she's basically like you guys I think she might be an indentured servant like she's working for a room this is there are words for that <laughs> and I feel like you know maybe um this family needs to watch what it is that they're saying here because I feel like we're quickly getting into some human trafficking here and I'm very concerned I'm very concerned so shout out to Julia for putting her foot down and being like I'm not feeding those chickens tomorrow I'm not feeding that pig you can forget it this was not the life I didn't come all the way to America to play the fucking simple life in Dinwiddie Virginia anyway let me get back to Mike and Natalie (laughs) so Natalie's playing Susie Homemaker she says to production she's like i haven't even unpacked i've been here two weeks and i haven't unpacked because frankly i don't know if i'm gonna be staying here and if i'm leaving it's gonna just be better if i just keep everything in these bags that way i don't lose anything (laughs) the other part of that is because mike hasn't made any fucking space for her you guys mike see this is why i call him a monster you have not made any sort of home for this lady she came home from that like gorgeous hotel in in Seattle to truly like the set of a scary she was not lying about the set of a scary movie to no heat the heat in their house is is by a fireplace like on some real Oregon trail shit I couldn't I couldn't he is not he didn't she's like he um I got here, the refrigerator was empty, it was cold, he has not made any space for her, so she's like, I would like just to, could we get a dresser? And he's like, well, 
I can clear up my dresser. <laughs> Can't you just hang your stuff up in the closet? Is that not what you do? And she's like, you know, I really, I, I like my dresser. It's not really that big a deal. And so he's like, oh, I'll clean it up. So he goes and clears out a couple drawers for her and his dresser. And he, and he points out the section of the closet that she can hang her stuff on. And he's like, um, well, it kind of smells in here. <laughs> in the closet. So I don't really want to put my stuff. And you could tell that he... If you looked at his eyes, you could tell, like, he just wanted to, (laughs) I I don't want to be too violent, but you could tell that he was like, I just, I don't want her to be here anymore. We'll put it that way. (laughs) And he's clearly frustrated to the point where, like, in that scene, he's so frustrated. It makes it almost seem like something happened prior to them starting to film. It was weird. Like, he was like a man on the edge. And that's why I don't trust him. So then he's he's talking about, you know, I just you know, she's putting so much pressure. This is over this is in reaction to uh wanting to put some clothes in the dresser. She's putting too much pressure and I feel like there's such a deadline on the situation and I just, you know, I just want to be able to enjoy this time and and each other and it's like well that's not how the k1 visa works michael that's not what she's here for not at all so natalie says i don't really feel like michael's doing anything to make me feel comfortable and she's like i think part of that might be because there was drama before with us so maybe this is a way to get back at me but I'm all in. I'm all into this relationship and I want to make it work. She's all, (laughs) she's so worried about this ring, y'all. She is so worried about not getting her engagement ring back. So then (laughs) we see her the next day. She's still cleaning and she's like, you know, all I do is this boring uh, housewife stuff and I I want to die. (laughs) I get it. So then she says she's had to take her nails off, her fake nails off because she's like, you know, uh, I won't need those anymore. I don't know what accent I'm doing, by the way. I, I have no idea. I'm trying to tap into Natalie accent and I can't do it. It sounds so much better when I do it when I'm not recording. <laughs> but anyway, um, she said she had to take her nails off because, you know, I'm an American now. And I just look down on my hands and see dirt and not my nails. <laughs> so, fortunately... She's so bored. Her mom decides to Skype her. But is it really going to help? Because Natalie says she basically has to lie to her mom. And that she's like, my mom's really optimistic about my relationship with Mike. She's not getting any younger. And I don't want to rock the boat. So I'm just going to say that everything is fine. Even though they're not. (laughs) So... Her mom wants to know, like, hey, girl, where the gold at? Where's your engagement ring? And I was like, damn, (laughs) I don't have it yet. But, you know, Mike's a really romantic guy. And I think he's going to plan something really, like, special, you know, in order to give give the ring back to me. And, okay, well, good luck with that. Natalie's terribly naive. (laughs) She needs to fix that. Um, So then her mom's like... "Eh." 
if you guys decide to get married, am I going to be invited? <laughs> and Natalie's kind of like, no. <laughs> like, she's clearly trying to buy time, but she's like, you know, Mike really just wanted to get have a small wedding with just the two of us. And she's saying, you know, like, my friends are pressuring me and my mom's pressuring me. And I just about this ring and about us getting married together. And I just feel bad that I don't have this ring because I, I feel like it's a symbol that like, it's a sign. It's a message that we're moving in the right direction. And I get it is as silly as I think is, is for her who threw the ring in his luggage to expect to have it back. I understand that now she's in a place of like, I've made this huge gesture of moving to America. So I would like my ring back. Like you got to meet me. You got to match my energy here. If what I want in exchange for moving my whole life is that ring so that I can feel secure and that I can feel like, this wasn't in vain and that we're going somewhere and that there's a hope for the future. Uh, I'm going to need that ring, sir. So I get it. I get it. All right. Our next couple we should talk about, I think Yara and Jovi. So after that very heartfelt, emotional conversation the night before, it's now time for Jovi to head off to work for a month. They haven't really resolved their issue, so Jovi comes out and is like, you know, is this something we can discuss before I leave? Yara's really not willing to talk about it, but Jovi says, you know, I didn't know how bad things were going to get after her miscarriage, or I would have stayed, and that was basically it. They didn't really get too down and deep in it. So Yara goes with him to the airport. He leaves. Whatever. It really wasn't that important. I was loving Yara's outfit. (laughs) This, like, white mini leather backpack and this black leather, like, moto jacket with the third eye on the back. (laughs) In, in, like, sequins. Iconic. And she's... In those extensions. Love it. I I love Yara and I'm happy, frankly, thrilled that Jovi's gone now. We can get pure, unadulterated Yara without having to deal with this white claw stenched man. So he's gone, whatever. Yara's now alone in the apartment and is like, you know, I'm all homesick. <laughs> and frankly, I'm bored and I'm scared. I'm scared of New Orleans because I tried to go out and somebody puked on my shoes. And so she, they're talking to the production and she's like, they puked on your shoes. She's like, uh, yes, this is 12 o'clock in the day. How people in the city get drunk so much so early? <laughs> I got to work on my Ukrainian accent. <laughs> so then she gets a call from Jovi's friend, Sarah. She's not met Sarah. They were going to go get their nails done. Manny Patties. And you are... <laughs> Yara's honesty fucking killed me because she's like, you know, I don't know, Sarah, but I said yes because I'm so bored. (laughs) And hey, maybe Sarah will be my friend if I stay here. Like, not a friend friend, but like somebody I can go out with and have a nice time. (laughs) She's already being like, Sarah and I are not going to be friends, but like I can get along with her. It'll be sufficient. She's a sufficient friend. So... Sarah is skeptical. Sarah says she's skeptical. And 
I feel like Sarah's not using the word correctly because she keeps saying skeptical and making it seem like maybe this is Yara's fault, but really, she doesn't fuck with Jovi. <laughs> she doesn't trust him. She thinks he's a fuckboy and a loser and that he's not anywhere prepared to be in a marriage. So she's trying to figure out like where Yara's head's at and kind of warn her against her very own friend on national television. <laughs> it was a real true sight to behold. So they sit down to get their nails done and Sarah's like, you know, I understand it can be kind of hard to be with somebody who works like Jovi does. I'm assuming that her husband does this, is in the same line of work. Jovi's in Guyana, by the way. Um, and Yara's like, you know, it's fine for now because we're not, like, trying to have kids or anything. So, you know, it's sort of an absence makes the heart go fonder. I mean, she's used to this dynamic between them. So she's like, actually, it's okay. And then, you know, she's like, Sarah's like, you know, that... Sarah's taking it in. And then Yara's like, you know, we're fine for now, but ultimately I kind of have dreams of opening up a salon and, and hopefully if we do well enough, then he can adjust his schedule so that he's not gone for these long searches of time. So Sarah's like, I don't think this is a good idea. I'm skeptical of her idea. Cause she says, I'm skeptical of the idea of her doing the salon. But the reason why she's skeptical again, goes back to Jovi. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Yara. Um, and then she's like, truly, Jovi has never adjusted to any woman that's been in his life. So I just don't really see how well this is going to go. And then Sarah asks Yara if she thinks that Jovi's really ready for this. Because she's like, he's a party boy. He stays out late. He likes to drink. And Yara says something so shocking, which is... That doesn't really sound like him. Now, how is it that in the first 7.8 seconds, we all saw that Jovi was um, really flirting with the uh, concept of a drinking problem? (laughs) And that he was massively immature and not prepared. Probably the least prepared to be in in a marriage (laughs) so far in this season. How did she not see that? How is that possible? (laughs) Even with the language barrier, I don't understand how that could possibly be true. That she does not see the side of Jovi whatsoever. So then Sarah's like, Yara, how do you feel about strip clubs? Because there's one that's like down the street that Jovi's basically like a VIP member of. He's got like his lifetime (laughs) card etched etched with his name in it he knows all the strippers he sleeps with most of them he's there all the time so how do you feel about strip clubs and she's like yara's like i don't i (laughs) i just i did not know that i did not know that and then sarah decides to tell yara about a story about a stripper that jovi was sleeping with who was so wasted one night that she pissed the bed and Yara's like, that's disgusting. How could you possibly be so drunk that you couldn't get up from the bed and you just pee it? 
great question, Yara. Great question. Probably. Well, you know what? I'm not going to diagnose anybody who's not even on the TV, but peeing your bed as a grown ass human being is concerning over the age of 25. I think maybe we need to look at the mirror here. Okay. Okay. Um, so then Yara is like, I really don't know why Sarah felt the need to tell me all this stuff. (laughs) Like maybe she thinks that these stories are funny, but this doesn't sound like the guy that I know. And it doesn't sound like a guy I want to know. So I'm concerned. Okay, you guys, let's talk about Andrew and Amira. Mm. Mm. Girl. We are still in Puerto Vallarta. Apparently, now the place, you guys, where hell comes to meet up. Have you guys been... Do you guys know about this Gays Over COVID account that is outing all of the gays that went to Puerto Vallarta over the past couple weeks, maskless partying drag queens being outed not outed but you know uh, told on it's a whole thing the whole drama you guys um miss vangie i'm so disappointed in miss vangie for being out there in mexico without a mask on anyway andrew and amira puerto vallarta amira still locked up abroad her visa expires in 43 days we don't know what the fuck's going on with amira Andrew certainly doesn't. He keeps doing this, like, I told y'all he was weird and there was something wrong with him. He keeps doing this performative, like, um, theatrical, finding new and inventive ways to stand it against the balcony of the resort and going into, like, practically downward-facing dog. Why is he leaning against the balcony at, like, a 115-degree angle? I don't get it. I don't get it. But anyway, he's like, Oh, what am I going to do? I can't believe that I'm staring at this ocean. Imagine, imagine yourself videoing, recording yourself. (laughs) You're recording yourself, and you have the nerve to look out at the ocean from your balcony in Puerto Vallarta in a resort and say, I'm so depressed watching these waves because I should be here with Amira, but she's in a detention center in Mexico City. Oh, poor you. Are you sad because you can't be with her? Or are you sad because she's in a detention center? What, what's, what's the priority here, Andrew? He seems very self-centered and very like, how is this affecting me? Not like, oh my God, I can't believe that she is locked up. So, <laughs> like, bro, is this not the consequence of your own actions? Do we not remember him saying like, I was so sure that this was going to work. I did my Googles. I researched it and... All of these people were able to get into America. All these K-1 people were able to get into America through Mexico. It's going to be a cakewalk. No problem. On the other hand, we're seeing poor Mira in France saying, I don't want to do this. 
but Andrew has been financially supporting me and basically saying that if I don't do this and he's going to break up with me and that's going to be the end of it. And so I have to do this and I have to see this through because he's my knight in shining armor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he goes to FaceTime his sister and his mom. And they're like, hey, how's your day? Like, he's like, yeah, it's been the worst thing ever. And they're like, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, you know, Amira didn't make it. Uh, no. Because <laughs> Amira didn't make it sounds like she just decided not to come. Not she got caught up. And is now basically in jail. Um, He tells them about her getting detained and... Andrew's like, you know, I knew the risk, but I was hopeful and I kind of figured the worst case scenario would be that she would just have to fly back to France, like not get stuck here. And again, it's like, he was so, he said he claimed to be so confident in the beginning, but like, what is this now? Did, was it really like one person that said that they made it through or was it kind of shaky and some people did and some people didn't and maybe they just had to fly back and you just trusted that I I thought like this is so fucking selfish on his part like imagine like you need to get married so badly and I understand unprecedented times or whatever but like was there nothing the embassy could do to put her visa on hold or extend it or you know given the extenuating circumstances like I don't understand like what did they expect her to do I, I and what I don't know I still think this is completely Andrew's fault hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So his sister could not give a fuck. <laughs> she's basically well like Andrew's saying like, you know I'm doing all they can and trying to research and find the right numbers and talk to the right people and she's just like well I just feel like you know don't you just kind of have to let the process play out and just you know kind of see how it goes like it's not really that big a deal just have fun just make sure you rest she literally said make sure you make sure you get some good rest can you imagine <laughs> she literally does not care um then they, they then they ask him do you think that she, maybe she'll be mad at you yeah <laughs> yeah he's like you know what maybe she might be i'm thinking fuck yeah she will be <laughs> fuck yeah she will be then he's you know 
he keeps giving these like forlorn looks, you know, looking out in the sunset and he's, you know, we're now at 48 hours. And Brandon's like, well, I hope today is the opposite of yesterday. (laughs) He's calling around kind of trying to figure out what's happening. He calls the airport. They keep hanging up on him. Nobody there can speak English. They don't care. And he's getting more and more frustrated. And then he says, you know, like, this was really our opportunity to grow in love. And now who knows where we're at. (laughs) So then Amira's father, who we know was completely distrusting of Andrew and this relationship. He gets on the horn. They decided to do like a FaceTime call, video chat. And he's never met, you know, Andrew and um, Hamid have never, Hamdi have never met each other. So Andrew, again, goes into this weird mode. He's like, oh, sir, I really like your shirt. How's it going today, sir? I'm so sorry about the this little dust step that's happened. And I've basically put your daughter into a, a camp. Sorry about that. But I like your blue shirt, sir. <laughs> He's just looking at him. Hamdi's looking at him from the other side of the camera. Like, bitch. I'm not here to make pleasantries with you. I want to know where my fucking daughter is. So he is like, you know, I don't know what's happened. The last time I spoke to her was either right when she landed or right when she got on the plane plane from France. And I haven't spoken to her since her phone's dead. You know, I'm going to call the embassy the next day. But if you find out anything, let me know. I'm available 24 seven. I'm not sleeping until we figure out what's happening with my daughter. And frankly, I think you're responsible for putting my daughter in this place. So then he starts crying and Andrew's like, I'm so sorry, sir. Hangs up on him. (laughs) And it's like, well, it's five o'clock. So I guess I'll just keep trying to look for numbers and figure things out. And goes back on that balcony and gets into a deep squat again. (laughs) What? How is, I mean, listen, I understand jumping through hoops and you're in a different country and the language. First of all, I find it hard to believe that nobody at the airport could speak English. I think that's damn near impossible. Secondly, I don't think that um, Andrew was really trying that hard to figure things out. I really don't. To me, in my mind, I'm thinking 10 minutes, I would have a number for the Mexican embassy, the French embassy, to do your, like, somewhere in a Google search, you can figure out what happens if you get detained in Mexico City. Did we Google that? Where do they go? Which detention center do they get sent to? They don't know. So he said, by the way, he said he called a couple detention centers, but they're not the ones where the people from the airport go. So he couldn't figure it out. Again, this seems like a lot easier to figure out. I don't feel like Andrew's trying that hard. I feel like, you know, he's waiting for filming to get some numbers so he can call and in the meantime he's sipping mojitos with whoever might be in this empty hotel since we're in the middle of fucking covid okay let's move on before i get upset to the crown jewel stephanie my one and only my sweet sweet angel stephanie um 
So we know that she was planning on going to Belize because she thought that they were going to be opening up the borders. But once again, the openings have been delayed for several weeks. So she is in a tizzy. Stephanie, you know, she says, like, I haven't seen him in nine months. And that's really taken a toll on our relationship. We're not really getting well, getting along well right now. He's hard to get in touch with. She keeps calling and calling and says, she's like, pick up Ryan, pick up Ryan. She's trying to get a hold of him to tell him, like, I'm not going to be able to come, right? No luck. He doesn't pick up the phone. And then we get eyes on her outfit, you guys. Wherever Darcy and Stacy get their clothes from, Stephanie is shopping at, like, the higher-end version of that. We see her, no bra, sheer white top with a tank, a, a turtleneck. And it's got this, like, doily print right where the titty should be so you can't see the nips. We see her in white cargo shorts, <laughs> which is a real choice. All white number, baby. Then, you know how, like, people say that you can get all the work done you want, but you can tell somebody's age through, like, their neck and their hands, Right? You can tell how old Stephanie is by her home decor because they do this like zoomed out. We're getting the whole white outfit and the living room looks like, like a mob boss's girlfriend's condo from like 1980, right? We have like these peach colored blown glass flowers. We have two foot tall candle holders. One with a glass orb globe, you know, cover on one of them, but not on the other. <laughs> Why would that happen? Um, so much ironwork. A white leather couch. Whew. And then let's not forget the painted picture of her lying next to her cats in a pair of white sandals. <laughs> Who painted that? <laughs> I love it. It was the kind of quality painting that, like, you would be like, oh, did you get this print at a Hobby Lobby? And then you find out, no, Stephanie had that commissioned herself. And you're like, okay. Okay. Stephanie is Florida. Why does Stephanie not live in Florida? She gives me big, like, Tampa energy. She's got that Florida vibe to her. And I just think... Maybe we need to think about moving. Maybe we can move the beauty, whatever you do, the injection site down to, you know, from Grand Rapids to, you know, Tampa Bay. Let's just see Boca. Let's see what works. Let's see what works. Um, so, okay. So she's pissed. She's really pissed. She lives Ryan another message saying like, you need to get back to me immediately. So then she heads to the bed to, you know, life recreating art from the painting of her in bed with her kittens to a real life version of her in bed with her kittens. And she is talking to one of them's sick. <laughs> we got a bowl of milk in the bed, you know, <laughs> and it's like, like really sweet. Like when you're sick home from school and your mom lets you watch like daytime television on the couch with soup. Like this was the equivalent, the cat equivalent of that. Cat's in bed with the milk. <laughs> and she's like, you know, doing kit, cat lady talk. Oh, cuckoo. Uh, will you share your bed and milk with daddy? Do you know where your daddy Ryan is? 
Will you give him some of your milk? Oh, baby. <laughs> so then she calls Ryan again because she's hot now. You know, she's she's running hot. And she gives up. She's like, you know what? I got a sick cat and a business to run. So she throws her phone on her bed. <laughs> and it's like, you know, that's the kind of throw your phone on your bed of like, I know I'm going to call this, this dude like 12 minutes later. You know? <laughs> there was just a symbolic thing of like, I'm putting my phone away, even though I know my phone's going to be in my hands. And I'm like, baby, I just need you to talk to me. Anyway. Stephanie says, you know, I'm calling him and calling him. I'm not expecting him to like, I know he can't fix anything, but I want him to just commiserate with me and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, let's figure it out. Like, let's have this couple moment where we're on the same page, right? She leaves him a message and says, you know, you need to get back to me immediately. And (laughs) later we see Stephanie. And I feel like every time we see this on screen, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna forget and remember every time, and I'm happy for that. We see her back in the hula hoop, in some like oversized jean shorts and a top that looked like I don't know, like did she get it from some sort of like athletic catalog? Like was it for ribbon dancing? The the top was giving and it kind of looked like a leotard, a lot of like ribbon dancing energy. I don't know where you would wear that. Other than like, like Cirque du Soleil practice. I really don't know. It it was a lot. It was a lot. A lot of stretchy material. So she decides to put the hoop down. And call Ryan again. So she gets a hold of him. She's like, you know what? I've been trying to get a hold of you all day. And he said that he was mad at her. <laughs> and this is where I had to scream. The scene is so crazy of him being like... He's like, you know what? I I wake up every day and I work hard every single day. And every other day you're bitching at me. So I just couldn't take it anymore. And so he's like, well, did you know that the borders are staying closed? And he's like, nope. <laughs> so he's like, well, it, it doesn't really seem that you care that much, frankly. It, you know, she's like, I bend over backwards to give you everything that you need. And Ryan's like... You only do that because you are a bitch and you can't say sorry. So instead of that, you just give me stuff. Do you think that I want these 10 watches and these 15 pairs of shoes? No, this is, this is how you say sorry to me. I think you do want the watches and the shoes, but okay. Okay. He's real fresh. <laughs> he He's really fresh to her. He says, you buy me stuff because you want to keep me happy. But you know what makes me happy? Earning my own money. (laughs) It's like, Ryan, you're not earning your own money, buddy. (laughs) That's the thing. That's the rub here. That's the okie doke, my boy. You're not earning your own money. You're getting, like, probably legal, illegal wire transfers from this chick that you're bitching at right now. You only have a job because of her. (laughs) You're playing pretend all day and your mom's paying for it. Your sugar mom is paying for it. Can you imagine? (laughs) This man is basically getting free labor. And she's... That can't be legal. 
something about that just that cannot be legal <laughs> anyway um let's keep going so he keeps going on and on about working and Stephanie's like well all you used to do was sit on your ass all day and I used to have to send you money every three days because you weren't doing shit <laughs> okay well now you're sending what are you doing now every two weeks so he doesn't so he doesn't um think anything's up so oh lord so then what happens after that so Ryan says that they only fight because there are trust issues on Stephanie's end. And he says, I'll never change. So you better just drop it. And Stephanie's like, well, we're down to the wire and he needs to figure out what you need to figure out what you want, Ryan. And he's like, well, you need to figure out what you want, frankly. And then we find out another little bit of information, which is the least surprising information of all, which is that, you know, last time they saw each other, Stephanie looked at his phone. He was texting all sorts of women. And why were you on WhatsApp at two o'clock in the morning? And who are you talking to? And what's going on here? You know, and he's like, you know, I just want to get to America and I want to see America. And she's like, you just want to see America? You don't want to see me? He's like, well, I used to be excited about seeing you. But listen, not anymore because you're annoying me. And just so you know, like, I don't just want to come to America. I was born in Belize. I will die in Belize. So basically, <laughs> like, what is it that you want, Ryan? I, it, it, this conversation was so strange and it made me think, like, maybe he really doesn't want anything from I. <laughs> I'm very confused. Like, I, this relationship is not what I was expecting. I was expecting a more clear-cut sugar daddy, sugar mommy, sugar baby relationship. And that's not quite what I'm getting. He's just very spicy for somebody who... He, he's talking like he doesn't have anything to lose. And that makes me think that he's probably got another couple fish on the hook. A couple other ladies who were are financially keeping him good or this is genuinely just like a very strange relationship and there's somewhat of a money dynamic at play because she's clearly out earning him but I don't I'm confused I'm very confused because he's really like talking to her so crazy if she's got the money holding over his head then I just feel like he wouldn't talk to her like this so then Ryan calls Stephanie crazy. No, he he, he does the, you know, the finger twirling around the ear move of like, because you're a cuckoo. She's like, did you call me crazy? He's like, actually, you're far past crazy. <laughs> and Stephanie was like, well, how fucked up is that? <laughs> and Ryan's like, well, it's up to you what you want to do in the future. This man is like, he could not give a fuck. He does not care. He's like, do what you want. I don't care. <laughs> and she's like, well, why are we even engaged? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> Rude. The rudity. The absolute gall and rudity. That's the end of the episode, you guys. Oh, oh, what a dream. I can't wait for next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you can give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank me for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you.